Welcome to The One Hour Intern. I'm your host, Will Brigger. Today, I'm lucky enough to sit down with two pioneers of the new age of country music, Tyler and Brian, who make up Florida Georgia Line. Less than a decade ago in their musical careers, they've risen to become one of the most popular country artists with over 9.3 billion streams and 15 number one singles. Tyler and Brian, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having us, Will. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So, obviously, these past couple of months have been crazy times. Uh, Tyler, you had a kid. You tore your Achilles, and then you had COVID. Brian, a little bit less exciting, but again, facing quarantine and kind of the crazy world right now. What have you guys done to maintain creativity and still even though your life has changed so much, still make sure that you're creating a product, you're connecting with fans and you're moving yourselves forward? And that's a great question. I think, uh, you know, in the beginning of this uh, quarantine and pandemic in, uh, you know, I think March, April and May, you know, we were in the middle of finishing our fifth record. So we were just kind of as much as we could do and get a couple of us get together in a safe environment and kind of record the vocals and finish that out. That was uh, kind of the beginning of the first couple months of it. And then after that, man, it just, uh, I think we've all been kind of riding it out. I think we were all holding out hope for maybe touring this fall or maybe like December or something, but that's, that's obviously this year's kind of been shot. So we're just, I think for Tyler and I both kind of being separated from, He's in Nashville. I'm in Florida. And I think we've both been enjoying writing on Zoom, writing even songs like by ourselves, just trying to keep the creative momentum and and also finding new outlets, man, and just finding uh, just kind of a creative rebirth, if you will. You know, this has given us a lot of time to to think, a lot of time to create. I feel like for me personally, I I know Tyler, this is he's hearing me say this again, but, you know, I kind of refell in love with my guitar and, and kind of my craft and I stopped playing with a pick and really just trying to connect with my, with my guitar, man. I've really enjoyed this summer. Just, I've been kind of carrying around everywhere I go. And even if I took like a little weekend trip somewhere, I always made sure I have it with me. And so just trying to stay on it one way or another, man, to be honest with you, touring, that was, that was a big hit for all of us, you know, for the whole entertainment industry, every, every way you put it. So, you know, we're all holding out hope for next year. I think we've, uh, with this vaccine coming, hopefully everything's going to, fall in line and uh but man just trying to stay positive you know there's been a lot of a lot of great family time that we all wouldn't have had so mm-hmm. there's a lot of silver linings you know and i think we're all trying to stay active physically work on our mental health and just try to elevate this you know in this time i think there was a time and you know somewhere in april me and Brittany were in nashville at our farm in quarantine and you know i just felt like i was in a rut in life just kind of like living in fear. And I think we all kind of were. And then finally, you know, we were just like, Hey, we're going to go home to Florida and just kind of, kind of, you know, continue to make smart decisions, continue to kind of separate ourselves, but also you got to get that, get out there and live life. So man, just, I think we're all in a great place. I think we're super thankful to hopefully be at the end of this year and start 2021 and see what happens, man. I think a lot of amazing is around the corner. Yeah. Tyler, you have anything you want to add to that? I mean, I think, BK kind of nailed it, but I was just going to say, like, for us, it's like you said, there's been a lot that's been going on in our world here at home and adding a third, you know, adding a new baby to the mix and now having three under three is just, uh, it's an, it's a challenge and it's also a blessing. It's an amazing thing. It's been really fun. 
really challenging and you know it's brought us together and brought us closer and bk said just staying positive through, through it all through my injury through the covid thing and just everything that's happened all the curveballs that we've been throwing this year just trying to just still swinging and aiming for the fences and looking for the positives and there's been a lot of really great blessings amongst the chaos you know and uh so we're really focusing on that and enjoying this time together and trying to make the most of this unusual lifestyle, this unusual pace. It's the complete opposite of what we're used to, but it's also a lot of times what we've wished for. You know, we've wished for time off. We've wished for time with the family. We've wished for all those things. And so we've gotten it now and uh, it makes us appreciate and never take for granted, you know, being on the road and our fans and getting to play shows and, just all the little things that we, a lot of times, you know, even being able to walk and having two feet. I mean, for me, for three months, that's the only thing I wish I could do is walk. And so just to, it, for, for me and for my family, it's been a reminder and it's been a grounding year, you know, it's been, it's been really good for us. So, so I think we all needed it, but like DK said, we couldn't be more excited. There's definitely a re-energized excitement about touring again. And I think we feel it. I think our fans feel it. So when we get back on the road, it's going to be incredible. So we're excited for that, but also still trying to make the most of the rest of this year and, you know, being with family and trying to be creative as much as possible and maintain all the businesses and make sure everything's still running and rocking as much as possible. Yeah, of course. November 16th, you guys announced that you are starting to plan a tour for 2021. So do you guys have any signs of what the future looks like for you, what this tour looks like, kind of anything new coming from you guys? Man, just kind of that. I mean, we know we don't know a lot, obviously, about what the future holds for COVID and all the protocols that's going to be in place and all that. But for us, we're just we're just uh, preparing for the best. You know what I mean? And and or I guess preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. But we're putting a lot of hope in the fact that we're going to be at least able to play arenas next year and uh, just planning for that. So we don't have the details ironed out or all the cities even or nothing like that. But we just know that we're. Uh, we're planning on getting back on the road next year and doing a headline tour and bringing this fifth album to life for the fans. Yeah, of course. Uh, Brian, anything to add to that? Man, just, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we have all the answers to that, but I just know we're excited about the possibilities and, you know, we'll kind of take, take all the new information and protocols or whatever as they come and just try to make a, a smart decision. But yeah, we're just holding out hope and, and plan for the best. Yeah, of course. So instead of looking forward now, let's rewind time and go back to before Florida Georgia line. Tyler, you're just a kid from Georgia. Brian, you're just a kid in Florida. What's life like as a little kid for you guys? Man, for me, I grew up in a small town called Monroe. Um, I always, I played sports. I was a pretty normal kid. I enjoyed being outside enjoyed riding dirt bikes playing in the woods all the normal you know typical small town georgia boy stuff you know me and my dad were big into working so he he ran his own company uh different companies and i when i was young i'd work for him and then i started my own company detailing cars when i was about 15 and uh he just he taught me how to run a business taught me how to work hard and you know did did that all through high school Played basketball and baseball a few years in high school, and then I ended up kind of deciding I'd rather go wash cars and make money after school than than run up and down a basketball court. So I uh, so I started doing that, and then fell in love with music around middle school in church, singing worship songs, and 
long story short, just continued a passion and love for music and songwriting and creating. And that kind of grew into maybe I'll go to school and study this stuff. Maybe it'll help me get through college and keep me interested. And one thing led to the next. But uh, but my childhood was just a pretty simple lifestyle. We were very middle class, you know, worked hard for everything we had, didn't have abundance, but had everything we needed. And, you know, strong faith, child uh, upbringing and hard work and, uh, you know, chasing your dreams and, you know, having a lot of fun along the way. So I was really blessed. Both my parents were married, stayed married up until my dad passed away in 2007. I was 20. I was in school when that happened, but, uh, you know, grew up with a tight knit family and watching my parents, you know, love each other. And so I feel really thankful for my childhood and the way I was brought up and the things I was taught, especially now as I get older and have kids of my own, I really can appreciate it even more, you know, and, and see the value that, that having parents like I had, you know, the value in that. Can you talk about specific values that they really implemented in your life or kind of really wanted you to follow that you see yourself using now? One, the first thing that came to mind, I don't know if this is really a value, but this is pretty cool little, little thing that my dad did that I, I think I'll do with my kids once they start making money. And, you know, even though I was working for him and I was probably making $50 a day, maybe at the most, because I'd make $5 an hour and try to work 10 hours and I'd have my $50 and we'd go home and he'd have, I think it was four envelopes and 10%, you know, so it was pretty taught to me at a pretty young age that 10% of that goes to tithing, 20% of that goes to savings. Another 20% of that's going to go, I forget exactly how it was, but then, you know, I was left with about 30% of play money or, you know, I could spending money. And uh, it just helped me at an early age, really like compartmentalize when you get a paycheck. Oh, okay. This isn't all, this doesn't go all in my pocket and go straight to Toys R Us. This is, you know, only a portion of this is to go to the music store or Toys R Us or whatever it was. And so that's just a little thing. My dad had a lot of fun little, like where he'd bring it to life and little things like that. I remember he stood on a bucket at one point. I was probably in eighth grade hanging out with this girl. I probably shouldn't have been hanging out with. And I remember he called me in the living room and he was standing on and he had a five gallon bucket. And I said, what are you doing with that? And he, he said, well, come here, I want to show you something. And he made me, he made me stand up on this bucket and he, he said, all right, give me your hand. And he pulled me off the bucket and I, you know, fell off. And then he said, all right, give me your hand again. And he said, I want you to pull me up on this bucket. Obviously I couldn't do it. And he did all that to tell me that it's a lot easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. So I was like, all right, I get it. I get it. Probably, I probably need to not date this girl. But uh, I don't know. He was just creative like that and made it a lot of fun. And, you know, just little life lessons like that that I'll take into, into my parenting, you know. Yeah, of course. Brian, any lessons or values that your parents really pushed onto you? Man, it was just kind of, uh, I don't know if they pushed it as much as they just kind of lived it out, you know, just working hard, a good work ethic. My dad worked his butt off and I'd say that and then um, just giving back and, and helping people out, being good to people. And I, I, I kind of watched mom and dad be leaders in that in our family and just whether it was paying for a meal for somebody or helping them out with getting a car. Or, you know, my parents, we didn't have we had we had enough to get by. We weren't loaded or anything, but, you know, my dad was stretching it to help other people. And I think that's admirable and i think that's that's something you know he's walking the walk and so uh those are some life lessons that i think 
my wife, Brittany, and I, we kind of take with us is, you know, work hard, play hard, give back, repeat, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and try to help when we can. And anything that hits you, hit, hits home, hits you in your gut and your heart, you know, it, it connects. So I think that's, that's what we want to spend our time, money, love, energy on, you know. Were there any times you failed to live up those, to those standards that your parents, you know, lived by and where you really learned why they were valuable? I'm sure I could think of some, but what I have learned through, throughout life is even in the little things that you maybe, maybe you don't do perfectly. Cause I don't think any of us try to strive for, for perfection or nothing like that, but I think there's lessons to be learned. And sometimes if you do everything just the way your parents maybe told you to, then you're going to miss a lot, out on a lot of lessons and they might not be lessons that you're learning the, the easy way, but to me, it's important, you know, and I know, I mean, even even as something as silly as taking care of our body. I mean, take that, for example, eating healthy, training, trying to be the best you can be so that you can live the longest life and have the most fun you can have into, into your 80s, 90s, 100, whatever. That's something that up until recently, I mean, I, we beat ourselves up for years on the road. I mean, I know I did. We drink, we drink a half a bottle of Jack Daniels, play a show, and drive throughout the night, not even sleep at all, and go into the next show. And just things like that where, I mean, yeah, that wasn't exactly what I was taught from my parents, but it was, there was a lot of lessons learned through that, that made us who we are, made us grateful, taught us, taught us how to grind, taught us how to struggle, taught us how to, you know, if you're going to party like a man at night, you got to be a man in the morning, those types of lessons, you know, and we, we learned those firsthand. I mean, I can just think of me and BK specifically learning those like back when we were roughing it. So that's just a little example. And, of, of not always maybe meeting the perfect the perfect standard or what you were maybe taught, but ultimately you know what you were taught. So you have that to to go back to. Even when you know you messed up, you you have the knowledge in your in your head from your parents. So that's always I think that's the ultimate. And I'm gonna remember that when my kids are messing up. Like, all right, it's not it doesn't make you a bad parent when your kids don't do exactly what you say, but it makes you it makes you a good parent because they at least have the the knowledge and the the foundation that you laid for them, you know? Yeah, of course. Brian, anything come to mind for you or kind of anything to add to what Tyler said? Man, I can't think of anything specific on that one. Yeah. So now let's jump to when you were 17. Brian, it's 2002. Kelly Clarkson just won American Idol. Yeah. Lose Yourself by <laughs> Eminem's the biggest song. Gas is only $1.61. Tyler, it's 2004 for you. Yeah, by Usher is the biggest song. Shrek 2 is out in theaters. And that's the world. By this time, what's the biggest struggle that you guys have faced and had to overcome? 2004. By having to be home by 11 o'clock and really hating that. Probably one of my biggest struggles. I just say, you know, I grew up playing baseball. So baseball was life for me. So just training and just Working overtime, man, I was working on, you know, I wanted to play college baseball and I got a scholarship to Florida State, went there for a couple of years, redshirted my freshman year, stayed another year, ended up transferring back to Daytona State College and ended up going to Belmont for my last two years of eligibility. That's where Tyler and I met. So I kind of hopped around a little bit, man. And that's one of those things, man, you know, you, it's kind of the journey, you know, when, when you think. Florida State was my dream school, was my dream scenario, and I kind of knew it was time to go. You know, I just felt in my gut. I felt like God was calling me somewhere else. I knew that it was just kind of time to go. And any time that 
I was thinking about this lately. Anytime that a lot of great things have happened, it may seem, it may rub somebody wrong. It may be seem un, unmanageable, but you know, moving to Nashville, me and Tyler starting a duo with no fans, not really nothing. Us driving ourselves to our shows, you know, us both getting married when our careers were both taken off. All these things, man, may seem crazy or out of line to other people's plans, but just owning your life, man, and, and owning where you're at and, and just enjoying the ride, you know, that's uh, that's where we're at for sure. How do you know it's time to make the gut decision to kind of change something, you know, transfer from Florida straight, your dream school, or to even make the decision to stop playing baseball at Belmont College? I don't know, man. I think there's just something inside of you. If you're willing to chase it down, I think God, the universe, I think there's a, there's an open door. I think we, you, there, you can kind of, you can kind of tell, you kind of know, it's just, a, are you willing to walk through it? I think that takes faith. It takes courage, you know? And I don't know, man. I think you just kind of, I think I, sometimes I even look for signs to be honest with you. I mean, whether that's a, a song that comes on the radio or a plane flying by or something. I mean, I, I look for signs all the time that just kind of confirm a little synchronicities in life. But man, when something just kind of hits you and you, you kind of know, and you can't, you can't take it off your mind and you just got to go for it. Yeah, of course. Tyler, would you add anything to that kind of following your gut moving along those lines? Yeah. I mean, I, I would a hundred percent agree with BK and I think, uh, for me, it was always an adrenaline rush whenever there was some unknown or some fear or something I was about to jump into that was just like jumping off into the deep end. You have no idea how deep it is or what, you know, barely how to swim. For me personally, that's like a rush. I don't know why. I almost love that. And I think, I think I get that from my dad. I mean, I remember he started over financially in different companies probably five or six times that I remember because. I don't know if it was because of this, but he must have felt some rush of adrenaline of this unknown or a new challenge or whatever. So I definitely feel that. And I, I sort of like it. So I usually, but I do think it takes a lot of faith and a lot of courage and a lot of confidence. And, and then, yeah, just going with that. When you feel that little tug or you see a door open, just not being afraid to think it's coincidence or, you know, just not being afraid to run through it and don't, don't, don't play it off like it's just coincidence, you know, or I think everything happens for a reason. And I think if you, like BK said, if you kind of pursue that and keep your eyes and ears open and just look for opportunities that are right in front of you a lot of times, um, I think there's a lot to be said about that. So you guys did have that opportunity. You met each other in a campus worship group. You know, you'd both been playing music a little bit and you just decided to take a risk and pursue your career. Can you talk about making that decision and what the struggle, the, you know, putting 10,000 hours of work in to become successful in those first two years, those two, that big risk, what was that like for you guys? For me, I mean, I, I remember it being a really fun challenge and something that we were just like, we're going to do this shit. We're going to crush this. I mean, in our heads, we were probably already whatever you want to call us, but we weren't nobody's. Nobody knew us, but we knew like, yo, we're, we're just writing these songs. We're going to go play these shows. Like, and we were very, like, just looking at the next week. Like, if we had two shows booked that weekend, we were rocking. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were in doing whatever it took to do it. And for us, I mean, BK, we're both built like athletes. So we really like a good challenge. We like to struggle. We like to, to be told we can't do something and then go after it. And we like not having a plan B, you know. I mean, 
I think the struggle was knowing that we both had a four-year degree from Belmont and probably should be, you know, landing ourselves into some job that was, you know, paying us well and doing this and, you know, whatever, whatever. And we, we were two years out of college and still only had, I only had $12 to my name. You know, BK probably didn't have much more. We were scraping by every month just so we could write songs and go play shows on the weekends and, and pursue the dream of music. So I think there for a while, I mean, that was, I would call that a struggle for sure. I mean, a fun struggle and something that we knew we weren't going to starve to death, but we were definitely going to starve a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And and so those were years though that, that I would never take back. Um, it made us who we are and taught us a ton and, uh, you know, going against the grain, going against what the typical, what everyone would say that you would want to do after college, you know, we just wanted to pursue one thing and that was writing songs and play music. So you do have $12 to your name, Brian, you don't have much more. How do you convince yourself to, to keep going, to keep facing the, the struggle and kind of move to the next, move to the next week and not, you know, follow the straight and narrow path? I don't think we gave ourselves another option. I think that was the only plan. We're going to figure out how to make it, you know, yeah. I don't know. Like Tyler said, just kind of echo that. We, we just felt like our energy was kind of undeniable and just trying to just trying to keep showing up, keep hit it hard, uh, keep hitting it hard. And, uh, you know, if we got a no here and, and a no there, it's like, all right, well, we'll walk this way and go get a couple yeses this way. And you start building followers. You start getting fans in town in Nashville. You start showing up for shows and just putting the time in, man. It, it Anything great takes time, you know. And again, like Tyler said, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, it's we, you know, we're part of the building this from, this from the ground up we didn't you know enter a singing show and just were offered on private jets and in a and buses and all that which is also awesome which is also another route which is the cool story about life you can get successful and chase your dreams in many different routes it happens all different ways so not knocking that at all i'm just saying for us you know we started this thing in my tahoe you know one fan at a time and um very grateful for it. That's the, that's the foundation of, of our brand, our music, our, our business, you know, is, uh, it, it is hands-on man. It's fun. It's fun to look back and think about that because it's those moments when you're sitting there talking about it. Hey, we, you know, you want to book a show, you want, let's book a couple shows. Let's write some songs, let's start a band. And then to actually keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up. So, uh, anybody out there listening, that's going to hear this, man, just keep showing up, keep trying. It's, I mean, I played golf today. Golf is a lot like sometimes songwriting. You're going to have some good days. You're going to have some shitty days. You're going to have some amazing days. But you All just my days keep going golf. up. You know what I'm saying? All my golf days are shitty days. I had a bad day today. It was a bad nine. So any, any other lessons that you took from, you know, that really hard struggle going on and, you know, continuing to show up? Anything you learned? Any advice to kind of convince yourself to keep showing up? I think. I think it's just pursuing what we love, man. I mean, we didn't have to convince ourselves that much, you know, from, for, for us, it was like what we wanted to do. So we were so driven to let that be our job because we love it so much. I think there's nothing more beautiful than getting to truly love what you do. And we wanted that to be our number one job so badly that we just didn't even have to think about it, whether we were going to show up or not. It was just what we were chasing. Right. So, so I think, you know, I, I know I'll teach my kids, man, whatever you love the most, try to figure out a way to make that 
create income for yourself. You don't have to not like your job. You know what I mean? That's one of the biggest blessings in our life. I think that we get to call music our, our job as well. And, you know, still balance it out and make sure you don't lose the fun in it because a lot of times what you love can become a job and it's, and it can start to feel like a job. And so taking some time back when it starts to feel like a job is also important. Yeah, of course. So now we're kind of at a halfway mark of the, the interview, you know, about 30 minutes in, I want to go to the segment called the coffee break. Where you guys can tell a funny or embarrassing story, you know, less about advice, but more about kind of a time where, you know, you failed during a performance or you kind of were just really embarrassed with yourself. Does anything come to mind to you guys? I don't know. I can't. I mean, I can't think of a time, Tyler. Can you? <laughs> yeah. BK's never been embarrassed. <laughs> Neither have I. It doesn't really happen. It was pretty much perfect. Now, yeah. I'll tell you what's embarrassing, and it happens to me at least once a weekend, if not every show. But there's a lot of lyrics in our songs, and we have to we have to sing them pretty much straight through for an hour and a half. And a lot of times your muscle memory just does it. You don't even have to think about the lyrics. They just come. But a lot of times, if you start to think about the lyrics, you forget the lyrics. So multiple times a weekend, I'll just be in the middle of singing a song or about to hit a second verse. And I'll just have a complete, I'll go, wait, what's the, what's the lyric coming up? And then I won't be able to think of it. And then before you know it, it's past the moment. I'm looking over BK, hoping I can read his lips. And then looking at the fans trying to read their lips. And then it's just a train wreck. And I've gotten almost used to it where it doesn't embarrass me anymore, but it's definitely it's definitely a humbling moment when that happens because everybody else is looking at you like, yo, bro, you're supposed to know this. You're supposed to, you're, these are these are y'all songs. So anyways, that's yeah. nothing major, but that's definitely a humbling moment. Yeah. Brian, any funny stories? Not necessarily embarrassing, just, you know, something that makes you laugh when you think about yourself. Oh, man. I mean... It's hard to pinpoint one thing. I mean, I'd say just it's probably happened once or twice, but maybe tripping on stage, definitely forgetting lyrics here and there, but, you know, getting a little sniper shot on the old, you know, that's what we used to call it when you're running, you know, playing baseball and somebody trip. But uh, no, that's happened to me a couple of times. I think one time on the Luke Bryan tour, Tyler, I think you got it one time on the Luke Bryan tour. Yeah, I had a good fall. Me and you, you just hit a step or something. Yeah. That's, that's not fun at all, but, uh, you know, it happens. Life is real and live music is real too. So one of them things, man, but I'm trying, I don't know. I can't think of anything, anything to, uh, I just think the whole journey is fun, man. You know, every, every step of the way from us sleeping in a van to, every, you know, having 12, 13 guys on one bus to, you know, where we're at now with many buses and productions a lot bigger, but Again, man, you just build so many memories and you build that foundation and that brotherhood. And that all that all comes to life on stage. That all comes to life in the songs, all that energy, all that, you know, memories, the all those years combined, everything. The whole story really starts to make sense, especially you know, as we come hopefully to tour next year. You know, it's a lot of anticipation. It's I feel like we've all come a lot closer this year, even through the distance. You know, I think they're we're all ready to get back out on tour and rock this thing and bring these songs back to life, man. It's been too yeah. much of a break. So let's talk a little bit more about your actual music career now. What do you guys do? What did you guys do to kind of build the skills to be 
superstar performers, superstar musicians, you know, what time, what effort did you focus on to be who you are today now when you get up on stage or when you're just playing guitar for yourself? Well, I'll start by saying for at least four or five years, we played over 150 shows a year. So just like anything, repetition makes you better, you know, and we, we would continue to try to get, get better at singing, get better at performing, figure out little moments in the show to create and just trying to master that craft. We also usually write anywhere from 65 to a hundred songs in a year. So that's the same thing. You know, it's very, it's, we love it so much, but we show up day in and day out. Not every song is a hit, but we're chasing that, that song high, you know? And I think, um, just just the repetition, man, and the work and the passion. I mean, a lot of hours go in go into it. And then in the studio, it's the same thing. I mean, we don't spend quite as many hours as living in the studio, but when it's when it's our life is de- is definitely sort of divided up into seasons. You have touring season, you have writing, more writing season and recording season, and you know, so when we're, we are in the recording season, we're hitting the studio pretty hard as well, and really trying to master our voice and and sing better and better and it's just like working out. It's just like a muscle. Your voice is a muscle. Performing is a muscle, all those things. So, so we just want to stay in the gym. You know, we really want to continue to to grow the muscle, but also, you know, not let it get, get out of shape, if you will. So, and that's the whole spectrum of what we do, the writing, the recording, the performing, the touring. So man, I don't know if that answered the question, but that's yeah. where my head went. Any tips for rising musicians or people who want to be in involved in music or just have a passion to kind of improve and get better, anything to give to them. Do it with people that are better than you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say just immerse, immerse yourself in what you want to learn and what you want to know, you know, whether that's if you're a songwriter, you know, just there's a lot of great songwriting books out there. There's a lot of stuff you can learn on YouTube. You know, you can just kind of study songs and, and kind of figure out why they hit you, what you like about them. I just, you know, I think find your own voice, find your own, your own unique take on music, your own way with lyrics. And yeah, I just say never give up. You know, if if you feel like there's a calling inside of you, chase that down till, till you think it's done. So you can't be afraid of no, there's going to be no's along the way. So go ahead and put that out there. So it's, it's all good. You're going to have to get past some no's to get some really good yeses. And that's, that's going to build your character. That's going to build your your work ethic, that's going to make you who your your best self one day. So I just say any barriers that come your way, hop over them. Just, you know, and, and ma- try to master your craft. It's going to take a long time. I think we're, Tyler and I both, I mean, we're always trying to get better. We don't have it figured out by any means. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're you know, what we've done is in the past. So every day forward, you know, that we get, that God gives us, we're trying to, trying to make the most of. And whether that's writing a song, sing vocals, you know, anything man play a live show whatever just trying to trying to do our best so always trying to get better always continuing to be a student you know and surround yourself uh with people that are better just like tyler said so uh man try to be a sponge soak it up yeah so now to kind of your big break you know in 2012 you put out cruise which was one of the most successful country songs of all time and that was kind of a tipping point for you guys in your career but before that, was there any period where you kind of knew you were like, we're going to make it, all this work has paid off? And 
how'd you know that you were at that point in your life? I think it's multiple moments of feeling like, man, this is, this is a pivotal moment or this is a big win or whatever. I think that one of the first ones was when we signed a publishing deal that we got a $1,500 draw every month, which meant we could pay our bills and literally not have to wash cars or paint houses. And we could just focus on writing songs. So for us to be able to know that music was going to pay our bills, that was huge. And that was in 2012, same year that we recorded and released Cruise, which that was the second wave of when people, when we started, when Cruise started reacting and people started showing up to shows and singing the words, we, we looked at each other like, oh, okay, this is, this song's working and this is, this is what it feels like. So we just kind of rode that wave and <clears throat> continued to build fans and connect with them and, and see where it took us. And it's, it's been an incredible journey, but I would say those two moments for sure were pretty pivotal in our career. Yeah. Brian, any other pivotal spots for you that really stand out? I mean, so many of them, man. I mean, it literally, they all, all the dots connect to, to where we are today. You know, first publishing deal, first, first tour, first, you know, first record deal, first, all, all those moments, man. So, I mean, I just feel like we're counting our blessings, but again, you know, I think Tyler and I really just tried to double down on our career and really tried to scale our career and our brand and our music in a sense of with that immediate quick, what might seem overnight success, we were still hitting it hard in terms of creating and back in the studio and writing and putting out music and really trying to getting outside cuts and just really in love with the music and that process. And once you get the taste of a, of a song that's connected with millions of people, I mean, it, that's an unbelievable feeling. It's humbling. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. It's part of what we feel is our calling. So, I mean, we're just living out our dreams and it's like, Hey, we want more of that, whatever, you know, whatever it takes to do more of that. So we were just investing in ourselves, investing back into, you know, our brand and everything. So, uh, you know, I think when, when that wave comes, I think you take it and you try to figure out how you can make it bigger and you, you, you keep showing up. You keep, I mean, I, Tyler, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a period of years where we didn't say no to anything. I mean, you, and we, you couldn't, you didn't want to. Yeah. In every opportunity. I mean, big, small, whatever, whatever. I mean, yeah. we were, we were there, you show up and you just, that's, that's kind of what you have to do. So, uh, man, just forever grateful for every opportunity that's come our way, you know, and just every, every breath that we get, man, it's all a blessing and it's all part of the story. And again, just to anybody that's out there listening, just stick with it. You know, there's going to be hard days. I'm like, literally, I think we're walking, talking truth of, I remember when my fingers used to hurt, you know, getting, working through calluses of playing guitar and thinking that, you know, when you're 15, 16 years old, you're not going to get through that. And that sucks. And you're just, Tyler, you remember that feeling where you're yeah. like, man, I don't even know if I'm going totally. to make it to a D chord. I've learned one chord. Totally. It's just frustrating. Totally. And, you know, the next thing you know, you're you're hitting it right and you're playing a couple chords and it just, you want more of it. So keep chasing dreams out there, y'all. If you're listening, if you've, again, so yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. You know, it did work out and you start to succeed. You've had your big break. You're going on tours. Up to now, what are the big obstacles that you've really had to come over, you know, criticism, anything like that? And how do you deal with those struggles once you've reached the, a pinnacle of success? I think music, man. I think anything that, 
hadn't been too much negative or anything, but I, I think we all, the, the greatest thing about what we do is we take everything out with us on the stage. You know, it's like, that's kind of like our church. That's kind of our outlet. That's we didn't have it this year, obviously, but you know, that, that connection with the fans, that energy, that whole, that those moments in, in, in the concerts and the shows are just amazing. So that, that's just a whole, whole other thing in itself. Yeah. Tyler, anything for you with kind of dealing with criticism or overcoming obstacles at the pinnacle, not on the way there? I think, like I said, I think we're just driven by challenges, driven by, if there was any criticism, it pretty much just drove us to, to work harder and to, to prove everybody wrong. And I think, you know, having that mentality has been beneficial because you definitely have haters along the way. And I think anybody that's successful will, but, but I think, you know, for us, we just didn't let it bother us too much. We didn't, you know, sit around and ponder that too much. We just sort of let it drive us. But like BK said, you know, we didn't have a ton. There wasn't tons and tons of backlash, you know, or anything like that. I mean, it was, there were, you know, we heard things here and there, but we just, like I said, we just kept our head down and kept doing what we loved. And, you know, ultimately, if we made music that we loved, that was the goal and that's what we were pursuing. And we weren't too too concerned about what everybody else was saying. So, and I think now that, you know, the biggest challenge is just, kind of maintaining, you know, being on top and staying on top and, and, you know, continuing to ride that wave and being smart, being strategic and figuring out what's next and how to recreate things and just being strategic on planning, you know, the next uh, chapter of our careers, if you will. Yeah, of course. So now I kind of want to zoom out and talk big picture about the real failures or kind of down moments in your life that you, those challenges that you did have to overcome and how, and how you were able to kind of use them as fuel. Tyler, I know you mentioned before one particular tough moment was when you lost your dad. Would you be willing to speak about that moment and kind of how you dealt with that? Obviously, you don't have to if you're not comfortable speaking on that. No, I don't mind. I, not at all. I would say that was probably one of the tougher moments in my life. I mean, being broke for quite a few years was pretty was a struggle as well. But um, losing him so unexpectedly and so graphically, and so it was just like uh, one of those moments in life where it just you know the impossible happened, and what you thought would never happen, you did. And but again, one of those things where I learned a ton. My faith became even stronger. I really leaned in on, you know, the Lord through that process, and kind of definitely felt Him giving me unbelievable amounts of peace and just kind of taking taking care of me through the process so that was that was uh just incredible and and I you know I will say that even to this day I think I think me losing him has made me who I am and uh it's inspired me to to be a better guy better dad and so and even along the way, I mean, he's definitely somebody that I wanted to make proud, even with the music, even with the career. And he was always, I always feel like he's looking, you know, looking at us from above and just proud of us. And, uh, you know, definitely one of the struggles, though, that where I didn't know, I, the biggest struggle was how do I, where do I go from here? Who do I turn to? Do I stay home and run the tree business or do I go back to Nashville and pursue music and finish college? And so making those first few pivotal decisions when, you're not really in a state to be making good decisions was probably one of the tougher, tougher parts of it. You know, while you're in the grieving stages, trying to make life altering decisions, you know? So fortunately I just, you know, I leaned into what I thought he wanted me to do and what God wanted me to do. And that was come back to Nashville and 
and pursue pursue music. He was a huge fan of, of me doing the music thing and uh, always encouraged me to do it. So that was one of my biggest struggles, but also one of my biggest motivators. Brian, do you have any moments like that that really stand out to you? Man, I just say for me, uh, you know, the toughest moment for me was probably not getting much playing time at Florida State when I was playing baseball there. And that was the moment where, you know, I knew I was leaving, but I also knew that there was maybe another calling inside of me. I, I had been writing songs for my first two years at Florida State in my little apartment room and really just writing songs during class even. You know, I, all I could think about was music, definitely baseball and pitching, but there was a there was a new love in, in my life and that was music. So for me to kind of accept that and to say, hey, you know, my, life might not be going exactly where I thought it was going and in a, in a good way. And, you know, that, that taught me an immediate lesson. And the more I think about it now, it's like, man, you really never know what God's got in store for you. The, the big dreams that we're dreaming, God's got something way bigger in mind, you know? And so I'm just thankful for, you know, the fact that I felt like God had opened the door and I walked through it, man. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of different things that had to connect along the way, but I'm just, I'm thankful for, you know, yeah, that other calling inside of me where I could have acted on it or I could have not. And my life could have gone, we, I could be talking to somebody else right now. And to me, it's those moments, man, you get a couple of them in life where life goes one way or life goes the other, you know? And so sometimes we don't have control of that. And that's another reason to just be super grateful for every morning, every day that you get every breath. And, you know, again, just super thankful for Tyler and I and our relationship and just our bond and our music that's taken us all, all around the world and our fans that are just super loyal and, and amazing. And it's been a wild ass ride. I cannot believe it. I mean, we're walking, talking truth of, of dreams come true, you know, with uh, a lot of hard work, amazing fans and a lot of great people behind us and just mind blown, man. <laughs> yeah. Another big, Part of what you guys have done has been kind of collaboration and mentorship in music, you know, working with other people, but also kind of getting advice and learning from other musicians. Is there anyone that stands out as super important mentors to you guys in your life who taught you different lessons or different values than maybe what your parents had expressed or other people in your life had expressed? I mean, that's kind of a broad answer. I mean, I think we've learned something from everybody. And I think we've had a lot of people in and out of our life over the last 10 years has been, you know, a big part of making us who we are. With every artist that we've collaborated with, we've definitely learned from. But the person that comes right to mind is somebody that I don't know if you guys even know, but her name is Leslie DePiro. She runs our publishing company and we call her Mama Les. And she's just somebody who's always inspiring and always encouraging and great to talk to. and She's obviously not an artist that we've done collaborations with, but she she's a big part of uh, just making us who we are and even reinstilling morals and values and reminding us of values. I think it's as opposed to being different than how we were brought up. I think there, it's, it's more aligned than anything, but having that person in our life, that's not only helping us run our publishing company in a really, really great way, but she also manages on a human level. She manages us. She manages our writers. And, and by manages, I mean, she listens to our hearts and she talks to us and she, she is a great mentor. 
And so we, we've been fortunate to have her. And I mean, by now we have quite a good, quite a good list of people that we would probably consider mentors. I think it's really important to have those people that we, I mean, even, you know, Roger on the financial side, look up to him a ton. He speaks another language I can't even understand, but I really, you know, he's one of those people too, that I know I can call and ask a question and get some mentorship. Lou Taylor, a lot of our team, you know, that we trust and people that have our back. It's, it's, uh, it's cool to have them and to be able to, you know, even to our pastor. I know Judah Smith is, is somebody that's influenced us a lot, and he's a amazing pastor at a church called Church Home and having him as a friend and a mentor. But, I mean, we got a lot of friends that are – they kind of coexist as friends and mentors at times, you know, depending on what day it is. But uh, yeah, we're really thankful for good people around us. It's important. Yeah. So – as we come to the close with the time, I'll just ask you a couple wrap-up questions. First is, are there any musicians you'd like to work with or you guys like listening to and kind of think are next up in the, the country industry? That's the million-dollar question. That's a good question. Uh, somebody we haven't worked with. Uh, let's see here. Hmm. I, I will say I think Kanan Smith's about to have a uh, – he's our buddy. He's on our uh, Round Here Records label and – He's working on a really special project right now. He'll hopefully be out in a month or two, but he just uh, got some, got a really cool, feels like a new sound, uh, very authentic and just love all the hard work and dedication and all the detail he's put into it. So I just say, you know, I think we're obviously pulling for him and just really excited for the public and fans and the press and everybody to really sink their teeth into his project and really get to know him even better. So I think, our bets are on Kane and Smith for sure. And obviously Ray Lynn, who's also on our label and Blake Redfern. And, you know, we've, we've got a lot of talented artists that we're pulling for that are on our label for sure. So that's a little side clip, but any other artists that we, uh, Tyler, anybody you would on your list? Man, my, I would say that for me personally, it's always more fun to do music with somebody. So I would say with just about every song we write, if it's not, an automatic FGL song, we're always thinking, well, and even if it is an automatic FGL song, it's like, well, should we put somebody on this? Can we, should we feature somebody? So for me, with every single song we write, I'm always thinking like, well, who would, who would like this? Or would this be, who would be drawn to this? And, you know, who would this be the perfect fit for? So I just think that's the, the ever evolving question. Yeah, of course. So now for my final questions, now that you've reached a pinnacle of success in the music world, how would you guys define success? Man, just, I mean, really doing what you love and being able to, to, to make, it, make it a living, make a living at it. You know, this is beyond our wildest dreams. So, I mean, we're beyond grateful, beyond thankful, but man, yeah. we, re we really enjoy it. You know, it's really fun. Obviously, I mean, people are probably like, duh, you guys get to play music. But man, I mean, again, you know, we, writing songs and watching them come to life in the studio and then taking them out on tour and people showing up and partying their faces off. And there's just a, there's a connection that goes beyond us. I guess it's spiritual, man. When you're out in a field, you're in an amphitheater, you're in an arena a stadium and there's just music and people. And it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing, man. It keeps calling us back. I think we're addicted to it. So we're just, it's awesome, man. Yeah, just to kind of reiterate, I mean, I think it's it's definitely doing what we're 
what we love and what our passion is and part of, you know, definitely doing what our calling is. You know, we feel like this is what we're meant to do, what we're made for. And when you're in that zone, it's just, it's really rewarding and fulfilling and, you know, success, in my opinion, success is, is counted by, you know, how many, how many dollars of joy you get each day as opposed to like, I mean, it's really not a number in the bank account. I mean, I can tell you that for sure because I've had zero and I've had a lot and it's not, it doesn't change how you feel right at all. So for me, it's more of a personal man, like success is, is calibrated on how many joy points you can have, you know, in life and how much, you, you know, yeah, your daily, your daily schedule it brings excitement and joy and fulfillment, you know? And I think a lot of that's music, a lot of it's kids, a lot of it's family and a lot of it's being, you know, doing things that you enjoy doing, just playing. So. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for everything. At the end of each interview, I'd like to do a final segment called the PowerPoints, which is three pieces of advice from our conversation. You know, if someone could only remember three things, from your life experience, from our conversation, what are those three pieces of advice that you would give? You can do three individual or you can combine to... I'd three. say work your butt off. Try to outwork everybody. Don't give up. Stay positive. Yeah. Well, I like what BK said earlier about you're going to hear a lot of no's before you hear the big yes. So prepare for hearing no. and Don't let it get you too down. Continue to show up, like BK said. That's important as well. And and try to figure out what you love doing the most and how to make money doing that and you're, you know, how to turn that into a job. And that's my three. But I also want to say before we leave is, didn't we, uh, first of all, yeah, just to blanket this whole conversation, BK mentioned this earlier, but I meant to say this at the beginning. Like, thank you for, for trusting us. With, to even ask these questions too, but like we definitely don't have it figured out. We're continuing to learn and grow as we, as we grow as humans and as people and as artists and businessmen and all that. So we're on the same journey and we're all figuring it out together. It's fun to talk about these things and learn from each other. But you're on the right track. You're I'm ex- extremely impressed by you. I'm impressed by your questions and how you can chat with us about real meaningful stuff. And uh, dude, you got a huge future ahead of you. And you know, even the fact that you're even thinking like this already is, is huge. So I just say, keep doing what you're doing, man. Cause you're going to, you're going to, whatever it is, it's going to be great. Keep Thank crushing you. it, Will. Hi everyone. I'm your host, Will Brigger, and this is One Hour Intern. Be sure to check out other music episodes with Rick Rubin, David Foster, Ice Cube, The Chainsmokers, and many more. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Make sure to follow on Instagram at one hour intern. That's the number one, not the word. And share this episode with your friends. The one hour intern is produced, hosted, and written by me, Will Brigger. My co-producers are The Blue and Studio Pod. Till next time. Thanks.